Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. I bet you're glad that you're inside today and not out there. Um, I'm a pretty conservative person. (laughs) I don't ordinarily wear red pants. (laughs) Or burgundy, uh, or whatever this is. Uh, It was a birthday gift for my wife, and, you know... um, (laughs) So... We're going to actually finish up Galatians today, so we're all, um, it's been a great series and we're excited about that. Um, And so we're going to be in in Galatians 6. Uh, Just a reminder of what we've been talking about, the series is entitled uh, In Christ Alone. So we have been talking through what it means to have an identity with Christ, and that's it, nothing more, nothing added to it. And as we got into chapter 5, and I want to to go... uh, to look at a couple things from chapter 5 to set up where we're going in chapter 6, okay? Uh, Living our life in Christ leads to a life of the Spirit. So I'm going to call it the Spirit way of life. So uh, back in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk by the Spirit, uh, which means live your life by the Spirit or the Spirit way of life. That's where everything has been heading that we've been talking about of being in Christ alone. It's live your life by the Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit, the Spirit kind of life, okay? And then in chapter 5, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the word for keep in step is not completely the same as uh, the word earlier, walk by the Spirit. Uh, The Greek word is stoikeo, and stoikeo means to walk in orderly fashion or to walk in line. So that's why it's often translated keep in step, but specifically it's to keep in step with one another. And I got that directly out of a Greek lexicon, to keep in step with one another. So the word uh, keep in step with the Spirit actually implies how we walk with one another, being in proper relationship with each other. And then the last verse of chapter 5, verse 26, is let us not become conceited, provoking one another. That's not part of the spirit way of life. And so that sets us up for chapter 6, which is all about the responsibility that we have to one another. We are responsible for one another. And that's where we're going to be going in chapter 6. A couple days ago, my wife and I went to a live theater uh, play, and the title of it was Children of Eden. Really excellent, excellent play. We thoroughly enjoyed it. One of the stories that was depicted in the play was the story of Cain and Abel. So just quickly by way of reminder, um, Cain was the first baby born ever, first one. And so we can imagine um, Eve and all the joyous anticipation that she had, uh, high expectations that her son Cain was going to be somebody. But the play depicted uh, and I think it's probably accurate that there was also an attitude that came with this son. And that attitude gradually developed and grew. And then she had a second son named Abel. And Abel had a different attitude. So 
when they were young men, they kind of as a result of a different attitude towards God and towards life in general, uh, says they both brought an offering to the Lord, and Cain brought an offering from the fruits of the ground, and, and Abel brought an offering from his flock. We don't know the precise reason why, but God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice and was not pleased with Cain's. And I think his attitude in giving it, and perhaps it could have had to do with the fact that Abel brought, brought a blood sacrifice, all of that could have been part of it. But his reaction, when, when God told Cain, I'm displeased, his reaction was anger. And shortly thereafter, he rose up and killed his brother. And so a young man who had, they had high hopes for what he was going to do, perhaps you know, be a, a, a great man whom the Lord would be pleased with turned out to be anything but that. And so God comes and has uh, an inquiry for Cain, um, where's your brother? And he kind of answers uh, with sarcasm that uh, young men can do some kind. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And that phrase has become a very um, often used and quoted phrase, am I my brother's keeper? So politicians sometimes have, have used this. Uh, couple in particular, Tony Blair, over in England, used it to kind of rally support for his socialist uh, political party. You know, let's, uh, we, are the, we are the people. We, we belong to each other. We're responsible for each other. Uh, Barack Obama used that phrase when he uh, came into office and was trying to rally the American people to unity and sol solidarity. Um, in doing research on this, I came across a story that I really, really liked. There's a monkey in a zoo, and the monkey's reading a copy of Charles Dickens on the origin of species. And as he's reading, he thinks to himself, am I my keeper's brother? You, you, you get it? So, you, you did. <laughs> our, our author, Paul, the apostle, would say, yes, you absolutely are your brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. And so that leads us, that sets things up for where we're going to be in chapter 6 of Galatians. Um, and we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses, primarily, of chapter 6, responsibility that we have to one another. And there are five different things that um, Paul writes, I've broken it out that way, that are part of our responsibility. And again, this is part of the spirit way of living. Those who are living according to the spirit, we do have a responsibility. We're not just independent agents, people on our own. Okay, so the first one, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So the first responsibility that he says is we are responsible for restoring each other. Starts off with addressing them as brothers. And so you can see the tie-in with the Cain and Abel story right there. Uh, we're part of the Christian family. We are brothers and we are sisters. There's a connection. We're part of the family of God. And so that directly bears into this responsibility that we have for one another. We're not just independent people. We're part of the same Christian family. If anyone is caught in a transgression, would be um, 
if there's something kind of going awry, you're going off the tracks, uh, you're, you're doing that which is wrong, going in a wrong direction, uh, we have a responsibility as Christian brothers or sisters to restore. It says you who are spiritual. So what's that talking about? Is that? It's not the best Christians, and it's not those who are, we might say, more spiritual than others, but that's simply a reference to the spirit way of life. So we could say it's those who are attempting to live the spirit way of life. You've got a responsibility here. When you see someone falling off the wagon, so to speak, or heading in a wrong direction, we've got a a responsibility. To restore means to bring back to the right path when they have left it. Okay? Uh, With gentleness describes the way that we do it. So that answers the question, well, but what if if I create hard feelings? And that's always the uh, thing that we're concerned about is creating hard feelings. What if I offend? Well... We're to do this with gentleness, with love, with caution, with sensitivity. It's not just a matter of pointing out faults and failures, but it's a matter of bringing restoration. That is our goal. And so it's doing what is necessary to restore. And then there's a caution here. Keep watching. Be careful not to get caught up in the same behavior. Um, there, was, there is an example that uh, came to my mind as I was thinking about this, and uh, this was just here at Streams just a, a few years ago, an individual had been caught up in something that was wrong. And all of a sudden, the individual was not here anymore. And I will have to not, I, or I can't take credit for being in touch with that person because that person got in touch with me. But once they did that, I, I just knew that's my responsibility. I can't drop the ball here. And so I got together with the person, and all you can do is, is listen and offer insight. But the goal is not you were wrong, although in some way that needs to come across, but it's more than that. It's restore. It's restoration. It's come back. Now, in that particular situation, it didn't happen, but that's not the point. The point is that we have the responsibility to do something, not just to let it go. The... Um, Second responsibility we have, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're responsible to bear each other's burdens. So to help carry the weight that another carries and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ would simply be do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so the way that we fulfill that principle is by coming alongside and helping another, another person, bearing the weight. Uh, I think Romans 12, 15 is appropriate in this context, and th- I don't think I have a slide for it, but it simply reads, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words, empathize. So you so identify with where they're at, whether it's joy or whether it's sorrow, that you feel the same feelings that they're feeling. And in doing that, You're helping them bear the weight, and we're talking primarily of a sorrow, a difficulty here right now. You're helping them bear the weight by empathizing, by coming alongside them. Um, Jesus did this with us, or he does this with us. Uh, Matthew 11 says, if anyone's weary, what does it say? Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Uh, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So as Jesus does this, with us and invites us to come alongside him and to he shares our burden that enables you to turn around and share the weight of someone else 
uh, you can bear their burden also. So I think that we can't, when, someone's, when someone is carrying something, we can't just say, well, sucks to be you, and go on. <laughs> We've got a responsibility. We've got to step in. How do we do that? Well, empathizing. Really, really valuable. Uh, perhaps it's just listening to them, praying. And when you're with a person, it's appropriate to pray right then. You can say, I will pray, but boy, it's really appropriate to pray right there. Um, one way that people help share my load when I was um, uh, at home uh, recovering from surgery was bringing meals. Just simple things like that are very, very meaningful. But always, always the way that you can share another's load is just being a faith-filled friend. That's what people need. And when you're just there, your presence is there, and you can, you can stand in faith with them, that's the thing that they really need. So bear one another's burdens. Okay, let's go to the, the next uh, responsibility that we have. It's verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But he, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So the way I have worded this is we have a responsibility to view ourselves humbly and to act humbly in relationship with others. Okay? The responsibility is to view ourselves humbly and to act humbly in relationship with others. So verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something, and literally that reads seems to be somebody, in their, mo their own mind, they see themselves uh, in a high position. Probably it's spiritual, a spiritual superiority kind of attitude, and probably what we're talking about here is those who get involved in the numbers one and two, which was the number, uh, verse one was the restoring, and verse two is the bearing of burdens. In doing that, let's really watch the attitude. I think that's what he's saying. We have a responsibility not to put ourselves into a spiritually superior position in regard to that person but to think of ourselves humbly and then to act in accordance with that. So that is the responsibility. It says in verse 4, each one should test or evaluate their own actions. So not comparing ourselves with where this person is and I'm so much better. So we don't make that comparison. We just evaluate ourselves by ourselves. And then verse 5, uh, it says, so, and this is really talking about uh, there's coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a, a day, we can just say it's judgment, when we're going to have to stand and give an account for these things. And so in that day, we're going to stand under our own load. Right now, we help bear the weight of others. In that day, we'll bear our own weight. And so that's how we need to evaluate ourselves. So it's view ourselves humbly. And one of, the pr one of the ways, I think, one of the primary ways that this happens is being open and vulnerable. And I want to tell you uh, that we've been at Streams since 2013, and that has always been a key principle at Streams. We, we always teach one of the key ways to growth in your life is openness and vulnerability. As long as you close yourself up and are not willing to open up, um, it, is, it is not helping you in growth but it's a way of keeping your life private and nobody can, can get in. So in stepping into leadership, it was ingrained into us. Uh, 
you will encourage openness and vulnerable vulnerability in the people that you lead as a, at leaders as you do it yourself. That's step one. And then you allow for the growth to happen in others. Um, it's, not hard, it's not easy to do, and I'm not, I'll just be honest, I'm not naturally an open and vulnerable person. I, I like to feel like I've kind of got a handle on things. And my wife can say, yeah, he acts like that, but she probably knows, well, no, I don't always, but I do want to come across that way. I recognize that. But I've got to, and this is all part of the humility that we're talking about, because ultimately when we are not open, we're not vulnerable, it's a, it's a way of saying I'm spiritually superior. Ultimately, that's what we're saying, and God wants to break that down. So our responsibility is openness and vulnerability, which is part of a humble attitude towards others. Okay, let's go to the next thing, which is number four, and that's verse six. And we're going we're gonna to look at several verses together, but first of all, verse six, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So the fourth thing is we have the responsibility to give to others. Now, this verse specifically is talking about giving financially. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about to those who are spiritual leaders, to those who do teaching and pastoring and preaching, uh, those who do that vocationally. It's not, uh, you know, you're not giving, you don't need to give to me. I'm not looking at that because it's not my vocation. But there are, there are those here, we have several people on staff who give of their time in, in doing this. And so this is the first application here is it's appropriate. That's a right thing to do. Uh, is to give, and it's, one, it's our responsibility. It is our responsibility, and we're, we're all talking here about the spirit way of life. So it's part of the spirit way of life is to do this. So ver, let's, go, let's just go to verse 7, because uh, this is the spiritual principle. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, that's a general principle, sowing and reaping. We've talked about it. You've, you've heard that before. Uh, it's, it's used in quite a few places in the Bible. Jesus talked about it. He would talk often about, you know, sowing a seed and then the harvest coming later. Um, and so the question, and I dealt with this a lot in preparing, okay, is that just a general principle here, or is, is this part of the flow of thought? So you've got to ask that question. Why does Paul bring this up right here? in a passage that otherwise is talking about our responsibility to one another. And this is the conclusion I came up with, that giving is the sowing that he's talking about. And so the first application was, in verse 6, giving to those who are your spiritual pastors and teachers, who, who do this vocationally. But then the question came to me, well, is that really all it's talking about, he's talking about, and as I look further, like in verses 8 and 9, I think he's talking about all the same thing. So I think he's talking further than, than just that kind of giving. I think he's talking about giving in general, giving in general in people's lives. Um, and, and so it certainly applies financially. Now, there is a scripture that I want to share with you, and this is the Apostle Paul. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse uh, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
That's the same author, Paul. And so I think definitely Paul is thinking of that application of that principle of sowing and reaping. So as we sow in giving, there is a harvest that comes back to us. You're receiving something back. First application to those who are spiritual leaders over us, but there's more general. It's more general. When you give to others, whatever that might be, but you give, there is a reaping, a harvesting that comes back. I really think that that is what he is saying. So it's a a principle that Paul is saying must apply to the spirit-filled life. The life where we're living the way of the spirit is part of of living that kind of a Christ-centered life. But probably the principle, I think Paul would apply it even more generally than that to some of the things that he's been talking about since verse 1 in our chapter here and uh, the sowing that might be done in another person's life, starting with verse 1, which was restoring, verse 2, which is sharing the burden, okay, and on down. Uh, And this is the investing in others' lives that will have a result. Sowing and reaping absolutely applies when we invest in others' lives. When you get involved in others' lives and invest, so I think right now we're talking more than just about financially giving, although that's where we start there. Um, One of the best applications of this has to do with something Sherry and I, my wife Sherry and I, have been involved with. And um, Sherry got involved with volunteering at the Women's Correctional Facility at Perryville in um, 2013. We figured that out. And for the most part, has been going once a week this whole time. We were off during COVID, but for the most part, she's been going in. And then I uh, started, she does a Bible study, and uh, she just did that last Tuesday night. And then I started going in twice a month to do more, more of a preaching service. But it's an investing into lives. And I want to tell you, we have seen some tremendous returns on that investment um, the women there um, that become part of our program transition to uh, ministry housing on the outside, and they're part of a very structured pro- program as they come out of prison, and then uh, they are part of the ministry, um, and they have oversight over them for the first year, and, and then they do a, a big graduation. And I want to tell you, those graduations are pretty exciting, and that's what makes it worth it. Uh, that's where you see the results where a person's life has changed and you saw where they were years ago and then gradually they have have seen God work in their life and at graduation these are young women who are set to be successful and by successful I mean they have a practical direction that they're following that is solid and they are they, they've got a solid walk with Christ they, they can't go through the program without having that so in both ways the harvest is coming, and I want to tell you that that is what has motivated us all of these years to keep doing that because you see what comes from the investing. And so we go to verse 9, and he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So that's what I'm talking about. You, whatever investing you're doing in others' lives, don't give up. So I think of others who are investing at streams. Uh, right now, there are individuals teaching children's classes over in the building just to the west of us. Uh, That is an investing in kids' lives. 
and they're faithful. Our teachers are faithful. We ordinarily have a ministry to teenagers going on over in the other building. I don't think that's happening today, but that's an investing of our youth leaders and youth sponsors into lives. And we've got other ways that people are investing here in streams. We've got th those who teach women's groups and, and men's groups, but it is an investing. And to those who are, who are doing that faithfully, don't give up. Don't grow weary. That's the encouragement that the apostle is saying. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, verse 8. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And what I am seeing in that verse is, number one, investing in others is not an optional thing, and it's part of the Spirit way of life, which is living the Christ life. And there really is no other way of doing this. That's what we're called to do. So, verse 9 again, don't grow weary. Keep doing it. Keep, it. Keep going. And eventually, it says in due season, harvest comes. And then the last thing, number 5, we have the responsibility just to do good. So this is verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Um, I believe what he's doing there is kind of generalizing all the other points that he's made. He just sums everything up. It is our responsibility to do good. That, that means to do when we have opportunity and we see the need to do what is beneficial to those that are around us. It applies generally to everyone. You've got a responsibility to everyone around you, neighbors, family, but especially to those of the household of faith. There's something really valuable about that to realize that we're part of a household. That, that's people that are related to one another who have that family connection and that's what we are at streams and so that's where the responsibility especially is so to do good again is just to do what is bene beneficial beneficent is a word I looked that word up it's just doing good beneficent doing what's right and good uh, as you have opportunity in other people's lives so when the opportunity is there and the need is there you you step up and so Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. And that, that's all that needs to be said. Now, I want, we're wrapping up our series here. And there are, as, I'm not going to read the last section here because the apostle Paul is just kind of doing some closing remarks. But there's two things as we close I want to point out um, in that last section there. Uh, so go with me to verse 14. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Uh, we've talked about, from chapter 2, we've talked about uh, we identify with the crucifixion of Christ. And that's what's changed our lives and given us a, a new direction, which is life in Christ, which is also what we've talked about, living the spirit kind of life. So what's really important, what really matters Nothing else. We've talked about the things that we might add, such as uh, legal things, you know, doing things in order to, to get God to be pleased with us. We talked about circumcision in that regard. He says, what really matters, what, what I can really be proud of is the cross and my identity with the cross. And then the very next verse, this is the, the two things that are important. So identifying with the cross of Christ, verse 15, 
For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what really counts. God has made me to be a new being, and nothing else really matters. Uh, I, am, I am new in him. A new being has, has been created. And I live the life that he has given to be by the Spirit. Would those that are on the worship team this morning go ahead and join me on the platform while I pray? Lord, we want to really hear what you are saying to us and to take our responsibility as spirit people very seriously and take that responsibility on, Lord. And so thank you for the very practical things that you inspired in this chapter. And, and let us live those principles out, Lord. Let us see our responsibility to one another. We can't just do it on our own. We can't be isolated. Lord, let us take that to heart and uh, really apply that to our relationships and the, the, just the, the way that we live our lives. And so I pray that. I pray that into each one's life, Lord, that you would speak so specifically about that and how that can apply today. And we want to give you thanks for it. Amen.